In today's episode of Real People, Real God, Misu and Lindsay continue their Through the Bible character series with Joseph's story, discovering that God is the real main character in the last 12 chapters of Genesis. Hi, this is Misu. And this is Lindsay. Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad you could join us today. Lindsay, how are you doing? It's been a long month since we've talked to each other. It has been a long month. Yeah, we've had this long break here. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I uh-huh. I got to do some traveling during that last month. You and I got to see each other face to face. That's right. How fun! Oh, we got to chat. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. You guys, everybody listening, we don't get to see each other face to face. We live across across the country from each other. We just talk yeah. on the phone, and this is what we do. Yeah. But we got to see each other in person. Yay. Which Yay, is really fun. That was that was a highlight of my last month. What about you? So How was your fun. month? Yes, you came to my new house and our new uh-huh. part of the country to North I Carolina, did. and you ate at Cracker Barrel with me, like my favorite place. <laughs> your favorite world, place in so. the world. I know. I love Cracker Barrel. <laughs> your your favorite place is like on a mountain. Mine's Cracker Barrel. So there, there you go. You go. That, that kind of tells you the depth of our character, right? <laughs> so yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, and you have you have on here for me to say, you know, like, how are you doing, me, Sue? You have good slash great slash bad slash terrible, and so I would say my last month has been all of those things with the move across the country from Washington State to North Carolina. You know, it's been good and great with the grandbabies just moving into my basement, yeah. but it's also been bad and terrible having to winch out the moving truck out of my driveway in the no. mountains and the hills and oh yeah oh yeah seriously that's so a little it, more it like is, terrible isn't it oh man it has been ups and downs just like these hills it, it's but it's beautiful here we just love it so yeah, yeah well that's, that's, that's kind of like real life isn't it good great it is bad, we are terrible. so real so we real. are so real people we're so real yep. don't you all just want to sit down and hang out with us and have a please do cup of coffee it's a good time yeah <laughs> Please do, at least for the next, what, 30 minutes, maybe 35 you got it. if we're windy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> let's get back into our Through the Bible Character series. I'm excited to yes. dive back into scripture with you, Misu, and excited to learn what our real God is doing in mm-hmm. the midst of the lives of more real people that we're going to talk about. So yes, today we're going to dive into the life of Joseph, but this is a long, long story in scripture. Yes. Joseph's life is, it is. very and long. Most people are probably familiar. I just watched Joseph the DreamWorks movie with my grandbabies this morning. I did. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yes. And you know, a lot of people probably, maybe you've seen the play Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. So the story is really familiar to most people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You probably know a lot about it. So we're going to try to hit the highlights as we go along. Yeah. And we're going to try to answer our two main questions that we've been right. asking. What are the real people doing? And what is our real God doing in this story? Right. And hopefully mm-hmm. we'll continue to see how our real God is revealing himself and relating to his people along the way. So, Misu, why don't you get us started with the beginning of Joseph's life? What are the real okay. people doing at the beginning here? Well, we'll start with Joseph's father, Jacob. And, you know, Jacob, bless his heart, he's making the same mistake his own father did, and he's kind of playing favorites. So let's look mm. at Genesis 37, 2 through 4. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. 
and he brought their father a bad report about them, about his brothers. Kind of a tattletale, this Joseph mm-hmm. character when he's 17 years old. Nobody likes Seriously, that. Seriously, 17 years old, and he's still a tattletale. I'm thinking uh-huh. there's some issues there, yeah. Now, Israel, or Jacob, that's his new name, Israel, loved Joseph more, there's that favoritism, than any Uh-oh. of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. There's that Technicolor the dream coat. The Technicolor dream coat. There you go. So when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. That's just so sad to me. Yeah. So Jacob is reliving his father Isaac's mistake. He's choosing a favorite son. And Joseph is really a spoiled brat here, you know? I mean, he's kind of the favorite. He's kind of taunting and tattling on his brothers. And he just doesn't seem like a very nice person in in this first part of the story. It's just not a good way to start the story. Yeah, this, I mean, this sounds pretty typical, right? Uh, the yeah, real, people real people already mm-hmm. causing trouble, kind of messing things up yep. a little bit. This is this is typical to what we've heard about. So, but what, yeah, what about all that, that hatred that his brothers had mm. for him? You know, he's daddy's little favorite, and his brothers just can't stand it. Are we about to have yeah. another Cain and Abel story here, or Jacob and Esau? What's what's going yeah, on with that? at least there's no killing in this story. So that's, I, that's a relief. Spoiler, no spoiler alert. No, no yeah, one gets no killed. Killing. <laughs> no, we're, mm-hmm. we're reading the end of the story first. No killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the hatred grows, yes, uh, of the ten older brothers. There's a little brother, Benjamin, but he's too young to really be included in the story yet. We'll hear more about him later. But okay. the story begins here now. We, we continue it. Joseph has some dreams. He tells his brothers and his father about it. Um, the brothers, and even Jacob, interpret those dreams without being asked. They they just blurt it right out what the dreams mean. Mm-hmm. And they're angry about those dreams and the implications. Um, and, and the brothers, at least, increase that hatred for their brothers, or, or for their mm-hmm. brother Joseph. Jacob mm-hmm. sends Joseph out to check on his ten brothers while they're tending the flocks. Well, I think it's more like check up on, the, you know, because he knows <laughs> that he'll come back and report on the brothers. Yeah. So the brothers see Joseph coming, and you know what? They do plot to kill him. If the hatred Ooh. is that serious, Cain and Abel decide, I know. See, there's that that brother thing going on. Mm-hmm. But they relent and they decide, no, instead we'll just sell him into slavery. Oh, that's great. So Jacob's sons, they, they sell him into slavery and then they kill a goat. Doesn't that sound familiar? That mm-hmm. same thing that Jacob did to deceive his father Isaac. I thought that was interesting. And they mm-hmm. deceive their father the same thing Jacob did to his father. So a lot yeah. of similarities in this story. Yeah, it's not a not a great start <laughs> to the story. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I know. But, you know, and, and this kind of got me. It, you, what goes around comes around, I think, for both mm-hmm. Jacob and for Joseph. Um, the, the deceit and, and the goat thing with Jacob. And then for yeah. Joseph, I, you know, he, he just... He just was a spoiled brat. Now, I'm not saying what the brothers did was right, right. but I, at least we can understand their motivation. You know, when I'm writing a book, I, my editor is big on, listen, we got to know the motivation behind yeah. what the characters are doing. And I think we can see the, the brothers' motivation, at least, in this. Mm-hmm. So let's play devil's advocate a little bit here for just a second. What okay, if Joseph, fun game. Fun game. What if Joseph yeah. had continued living like this favored son checking up and tattling on his brothers 
having these dreams of grandeur, never having any hardship or trial in his life, what kind of a man do you think he would have grown up to be? Probably a a pompous, arrogant... Um, and I don't yet, know. Let's not even <laughs> finish like that that description, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh-huh, right. I, exactly. He would have just. I, I think he would have turned out to be a really not a very nice old yeah. jerk, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes these hardships that we're about to see in Joseph's life, I, I think maybe those, for lack of a better phrase, beat the meanness out of him. Yeah. I, I think. Well, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, Lindsay, you tell us what our real God is doing now during this next part of of Joseph's life. Yeah, well, so Joseph gets sold into slavery, and that's uh, this this great, I mean, that's a time of turmoil for Joseph. That is not a great (laughs) occurrence in life, getting sold into slavery. Um, But I want to stop here for a moment and look at, this this whole story of Joseph's life, this whole end of Genesis, is really a story about God. Joseph seems like the yeah. main character of this story, but he's really the secondary character here. Because this story mm-hmm. is really all about what God is doing to bring good out of bad in Joseph's life. And that starts with mm-hmm. this, this point of getting sold into slavery. That's the beginning of a lot of bad things that are happening. But this story is really about what God is doing to bring good for many people, not just Joseph, out of these bad things. Yeah. And the story mm-hmm. is really told, um, I think, with with the sole purpose of pointing us toward what something that's said at the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I think yeah. that is the lens mm-hmm. through which we're supposed to read Joseph's story. Um, yeah. that, that point and God's goodness are the main point of this story. Joseph mm-hmm. is not really the main point of this story. So yeah. we're going to talk about the things that happened to him, but really what was God doing behind behind the scenes for that. So, um, yeah, so so Joseph gets sold into slavery, and we start when we start looking for what God is doing here, we see at the beginning of chapter 39 some repetitive, we begin to see some key phrases that will be repeated about what mm-hmm. our real God is doing. So the beginning of chapter 39, Joseph is sold into the household of Potiphar, which is one of Pharaoh's captains of the guard, or it, it was Pharaoh's captain of the guard. Um... And and as Joseph lives in Potiphar's household, we begin to see this theme of how God is with him. It says the Lord was with Joseph in verse 2. The Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph, both in the house and in the field. Um, we begin to see at this point in the story some of these key phrases of what God is doing in Joseph's life. And these phrases, if you read the story, you'll find them repeated over and over again. Everywhere he goes, God is with him. God gives him success. Mm-hmm. He finds favor. Um, God is the main agent in this story doing things. Um, yeah. So, I kind of already gave away a little bit of what's coming ahead, but Joseph's living in Potiphar's household. God's giving him favor and giving them success, and they all live happily ever after, right? Is that is that where our story's going, Misu? Yep, pretty much. That's what happens. We wrap up the series right now. Everything's good. Okay, not, happily ever after. Not, yeah, right. No, we're dealing with real people, so we know that that's not yeah. the case. So things get all hairy again, right? So Potiphar's trusting. Right. Then Potiphar's wife is lusting. 
And then poor Joseph is busting out of his loincloth <laughs> to get away from the boss's wife. Yes, yes. You like those but rhymes, for, don't you? <laughs> I do. I kind of do. My husband likes, you know, alliteration with everything starting with the same. I like rhymes. So, yeah. Uh-huh. But, and, and so Joseph, poor thing, you know, he's, he's running away, but he gets falsely accused. Potiphar believes the wife instead of poor righteous Joseph. And Joseph is in prison for something he didn't do. Well, now that's just mean. You know, yeah. that's a bummer. But here again, we see these repetitive key phrases. And here they come. God is with him in prison. Mm-hmm. God granted him favor in the mm-hmm. eyes of the warden. And God gave Joseph success in all that he did while he was in jail. That Again, Genesis 39 tells us that. And then Joseph was put in charge, there it is again, in charge of everything under the warden's care this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, even in prison, we just, we see God's favor. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. not only not only the the favor of God upon him, but God is beginning to create some opportunities for Joseph to shift the story mm-hmm. even in a new direction because yeah. this story is about what our real God is doing. He's the main agent here. So, um not only all that favor with the the prison warden, but next, our real God grants Joseph an opportunity to interpret a couple of dreams. Um, there's mm-hmm. a, a royal baker and a royal cupbearer. You probably remember the part, this part of the story. And they have dreams, and Joseph um, interprets those dreams. But he does that um, through God's power. He assures them that only God can interpret their dreams, yeah. um, which, is, which is kind of a far cry from the Joseph who was flaunting his dreams when he was 17 yeah, years old no to all his brothers. This is, this is a little different. Joseph, um, he assures them that only God can interpret their dreams, and mm-hmm. our real God does give Joseph an interpretation um, for, the both, for the both of them. So as Joseph depends on God... Um, God reveals the meanings of those dreams, and this sets the stage for an even greater opportunity for Joseph down the road, because by the fact that he's been able to interpret these dreams, later on, somebody's going to remember that, and it's going mm-hmm. to create a greater opportunity. So, two years later, two whole wait, wait, years, wait, two, two, two years. you got it, two, two whole two years, years of sitting around <sighs> in prison, um, oh. just kind of waiting, uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> It kind of harkens back to Noah. Remember when Noah was waiting all that time? A lot of waiting that seems to happen with all these people. It's just a lot of waiting. Uh, When God is doing something, know that you'll probably have to wait for it. Yes. Oh, boo. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. Anyways. um, So, two years later, while Joseph's sitting in prison, uh, Pharaoh has a dream, and no one, none of the wise men, no one can interpret it. And so, it's at that moment that the cupbearer, who was in jail earlier with Joseph, Mm. remembers, hey, there was that guy in prison, and he interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret yours. So, Joseph is called in to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And, Misu, tell us about what happens with that when Joseph goes in to talk to Pharaoh about that. Well, first of all, I love what Joseph says when Pharaoh asks him to interpret it. He, He says right off the bat, I can't do it, he says, to Pharaoh. Well, that's kind of a scary thing to say to Pharaoh. But then he says, but God, but God, oh, I love those two words, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It's not he might, you know, let's see and I'll, I'll ask God and maybe he'll, no, no, no. 
but God will give Pharaoh the answer. I love that. And I think that confidence was likely gained in prison. Because, you know, sometimes hardship either makes us or breaks us. And and I see that Joseph has been refined. There's mm-hmm. no more of that, you know, spoiled, rotten 17-year-old that has that chip on his shoulder or whatever. This is a total dependence on God to do what needs to be done in any given situation. So I, I love yeah. that response. It, it shows us so much of Joseph's character when he gets out of prison. So, as Joseph promised, God does give the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. He says there's going to be seven years of plenty in the land, followed by seven years of famine. Mm -hmm. And so Joseph shows next his innate leadership quality here, the the leadership that God's provided for him. and, And he gives this solution to a problem without even being asked. The very next thing that Joseph says is push is not pushy, but but he's intentional with what he says. And, and there's a difference between pushy and intentional. Listen to yeah. this. He says, "Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Then they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the city. Do you hear that? I've, I've got an answer. Mm-hmm. I'm ready with the answer. I, mm-hmm. I've got a thoughtful, considered response for you that I've already yeah. taken into consideration. And, you know, this is, the, this is how a leader responds. They've already taken into consideration some of these things that seriously I'd just be happy to get out and get a shower and a good shave and, and a little <laughs> dinner you know this but is bold. no I mean mm-hmm. it is bold and it, but it's it's intentional it's intentional and you know what Pharaoh loves it and he sees this leadership in Joseph and he makes him governor second in Egypt only to Pharaoh but is it Pharaoh really that made Joseph governor or no it's God because God's the main character in this story Mm -hmm. and it's God we find out in the following verses who allows the famine to spread to Canaan because Mm. when the famine spreads to Canaan guess who comes to look for grain in Egypt it's Joseph's brothers Mm. because Jacob and Joseph's brothers are enduring a famine and need grain too so they have to come to Egypt and they have to ask hmm this governor in Egypt who's got all the grain they have to ask him for for grain so isn't that amazing yeah yeah I love this section of the story when when Joseph gets to reunite with his brothers and with his family Mm -hmm. this upcoming section is a part of the story that I really like and I think it's it's partly because this is the part of the story where we finally see Joseph show some emotion. Um, yeah. um, up until this point, he's had all this hardship, but we haven't really, we haven't really seen any of his emotion about it. And I think, yeah. again, I think that's partly because this story is about what God is doing, and so that's been mm-hmm. focused on more than than what's happening with Joseph. But this section, we see him really finally getting emotional about this this reunion uh, with his mm-hmm. brothers, and it gives me. It gives me some hope for this family, after all. Um, I think that's yeah. another reason why I love the emotion shown there. It, it just gives some hope for this yeah. family. Um, 
So well, anyway. this is hope for my family because I, I, we get kind of emotional about some things. Let's face mm-hmm. it, you know. So yeah. I, I like seeing some emotion and seeing how God deals with them, and it gives me hope for how He deals with us. So yeah, yeah. Amen. I love it. So so yeah. So as the story goes, um, when the famine hits the land, like you said, his brothers have to come to Egypt uh, seeking food. And they have to seek that from the hand of Joseph himself. Mm-hmm. And Joseph's emotions just, they just run the whole gamut of, you know, he's shocked, he's delighted, he's sad, he's confused. He's kind of all over the place about seeing yeah. his brothers again. He's, he's a big, giant ball of emotion. Um, and so, <laughs> yes. so there's this whole scene where, you know, he doesn't really know what to do. Um, and so he tricks his brothers multiple times. He kind of puts them through several tests in order to mm-hmm. to prove that they've changed, in order yeah. to know that his father's still alive, and for a chance to see his younger brother, Benjamin. He kind of mm-hmm. puts them through all these different tests. Um, and finally, at the end of a series of events, he finally reveals his identity to his brothers, and it is really an emotional family reunion. There's a few times mm-hmm. he, he kind of runs away and cries, and he weeps, and <laughs> very weepy for a while there, <laughs> Joseph. Yeah. You should... You should just go and read the story, Genesis 42 through 45. If you haven't read it recently, that's the, the part of the story about sort of the family reunion. It's, uh, it's very good. Um, but yeah. his brothers, when he reveals his identity, they also are running sort of the gamut of emotion. They're terrified yeah. at first, they're skeptical, then they're relieved and, and glad to see him, still kind of scared. Um, it's, it's just very interesting. So then Pharaoh hears of Joseph's reunion with his brothers, and he also is kind of overjoyed, it seems. He, like, gives this yeah. big invitation to yeah. Joseph's family, telling y'all them to come, come to Egypt. Yeah, mm-hmm. y'all come stay mm-hmm. with us. Oh, you're, you're Joe's family? Come on over. Come um, on over, yeah. And so he, he tells them not to bring any of their stuff with them. They're just going to get the best land. It's going to be fine. Um, and then... And then when the brothers return and tell their father that Joseph is alive, he he doesn't even know what to do for a minute. I mean, this was his son who he was yeah. grieved, so grieved when he thought he was dead. Um, he's skeptical at first, and then he's delighted and overjoyed. And and then as, as he prepares to go to Egypt, he's just absolutely terrified of that. This is quite an emotional section of scripture here. There's it is. just everybody all over yeah. the place in this section. Yeah. So I like it. I like this this family reunion section. I feel close to my family, and I know there's there's been times when I've had ups and downs and, and been overjoyed and celebrated with my family and mourned with my family and grieved. And like, I like this this section of this story. So yeah. um, I, think, I think I can relate to it. I think a lot of us can relate to, to those kinds of emotions. So, Misu, um, why don't you tell us then... What happens here in the midst of all this emotion and family reunion and, and all these things happening? What does our real God do? How does he show up and how does he reveal himself in the midst of this reunion, in the midst of all the emotion of all the things? Well, yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons that I like it so much is because of how God does reveal himself in the midst of all this emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, God's not afraid of our emotion. And he he Amen. created our emotion in in us, and he, we are created in his image. And I think God is a God of emotion. And mm-hmm. um, he appears to Jacob in a dream. And that's how he reveals himself to Jacob in the midst of his emotion. And I love that because that's how God first appeared to Jacob, was in a dream. That's how he yeah. first revealed himself to Jacob. 
And in the midst of Jacob's deepest emotion, where he's just discovered that his his favorite son is still alive, he comes back to Jacob. God comes back to Jacob in a dream. It's mm-hmm. almost like, okay, this is how I first presented myself to you, Jacob, and now I'm coming back to you this way just to calm you, just to show yeah. you. You don't have to come ranting and and searching for me as your God. I'm just coming back to to enfold you and to tell mm-hmm. you it's okay. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Be calm. Be assured. Be be settled. Be yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I, I love that. And and the thing that I also love is do do you remember, Lynn, how how God appeared to Joseph first in, in dreams? Yeah. And I love that Jacob and Joseph share this way of relating to God. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was probably part of why they related well together and Jacob favored Joseph was because they related in this way in their spiritual lives together. And I mm-hmm. know that when we relate to anyone, children, friends, whatever, in, and we share a spiritual connection, there's a depth of relationship there that just goes deeper than you know, any other relationship. So I think that when God came to Jacob in a dream, that is just a really tender, tender, sweet moment. And God said to him in Genesis 46, 3 and 4, Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. So he's just really calming him there. So what do you think Jacob did? Did he trust God fully? Did he obey Pharaoh and not take any of his stuff? Just let Pharaoh provide for him? Just run on down to Egypt? Oh, no. No, no, no. So Genesis 46 says, Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them all their livestock and all their possessions that they'd acquired in Canaan, right? Because because really, I've just moved across the country, and i got to tell you, I took every box we owned. <laughs> Everything came across the country with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a security thing. So when they mm-hmm. arrive in Egypt, both Joseph is both happy and stressed to see Jacob because the very first thing he sees is his dad disobeying Joseph's boss, right? Uh. They've got all their stuff, and Pharaoh specifically said, don't bring anything with you. So Joseph goes and says, okay, Dad, listen, when Pharaoh calls you before him, because he's going to, because you've just disobeyed him, when he calls you before him, this is what you need to say. So Joseph lays out exactly what Jacob needs to say to Pharaoh. Mm Mm-hmm. Because real people, we get ourselves in hot water, and then God has to get us out of the hot water, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> all and God the time. pretty Amen. much, all the time. Amen. So God pretty much saves Jacob's bacon here, and he can do that because this was the days before Joseph, before Moses when the Israelites could still eat bacon. So <laughs> he does. Joke. He saves Jacob's bacon. And Pharaoh's first question to Jacob is, and this is significant, he says, how old are you? And that's significant because Egyptians respect older people. And the age of 110 was the age of perfection to the Egyptians. Hmm. So when he saw Jacob and he saw that he was old and he said, how old are you? Jacob said 137. And immediately, when you read that scripture, Pharaoh's attitude toward him immediately shifts. 
And he says, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the best land for grazing your flocks. But it also says, you're going to get to graze your flocks there, and you're going to get to graze my flocks there. So Pharaoh immediately <laughs> gives Joseph's family the job of grazing the king's flocks, which is a, mm. a very subtle thing that you've got to look for in that scripture, but it's there. Then I want to... I want to point one more thing out here that was very, very interesting to me. Genesis 47, 20 through 21 says, so Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh, because this is the the time, now we're into the time of this famine, remember? That's Mm -hmm. what brought them to Egypt. And the, the rest of the Egyptians, they're still in the midst of this famine. And so they're coming to Joseph, too, and saying, we need grain, we need grain. Well, they don't have any more money left, so right. they're buying grain by selling Joseph their land. Well, when mm-hmm. they don't have any more land to sell, what are they going to sell to get grain? Themselves. They sell themselves. Their work. <laughs> their, yeah. Exactly. So Genesis 47, 20 through 21 says, So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt, For Pharaoh, the Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. Hmm. So, the real God, Jacob's real God, Mm -hmm. was using Joseph not only to provide for Jacob's family, all of Israel, all of the Israelites for generations to come. But our real God was also using Joseph in this time to begin a system of slavery in Egypt. Hmm. Hmm. Now, that's important because do you remember back in Genesis 15 when God gave that original covenant to Abram? Remember when Abram cut the animals in half and, yeah. and had had Abram or, and, and the smoking pot and the blazing mm-hmm. torch went through those animals. God said yeah. to Abram, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they mm-hmm. will be enslaved and mistreated there. Mm-hmm. Well, see, we know that that is Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Joseph's yeah. position here is so important. We know that this is the point at which God begins building the nation of Israel here and now in the land of Egypt. And he will, 400 years later, mm-hmm. save these same people from, are you ready for this, self-inflicted bondage. Now what do you mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so... Joseph instituted slavery in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob's sons yeah. could have left Egypt any time after the famine ended. Their bondage came from all those small choices that they made each and every day to live a life of comfort in this land not their own. Instead of going back to Canaan in obedience to God, in a land that he had chosen for them. Hmm. Isn't yeah, that interesting. sad? Interesting, I think that's yeah. sad. That hmm. they chose comfort in a land not their own for those first however many hundred years. Mm-hmm. 
instead of choosing to go back to the land that God had chosen for them. And that's what, and that's what I meant by self-inflicted. Getting them in a predicament later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ended up in, in slavery for the Hebrews. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I think it goes back to the same thing that we've talked about again and again and again. We as real people, we get ourselves into these harmful situations But God continues to love us. He continues to reveal himself. He continues to move ahead with his plan to restore that original fellowship that he so desires with us that that we had in the garden before sin Mm -hmm. entered. So, so Lindsay, tell us now how a, a final look with Jacob, how God is continuing to move toward the end of this story. Yeah, um... What I love, there's a few pictures here at the end of the story of what the real people are doing, but but really what our real God is doing in them. And I want to focus mm-hmm. on a few of those. It's really great. Jacob, first of all, at the end of the story, he's doling out blessings left and right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know we've been talking about Joseph, and this story is about Joseph, but it's really about God. And in this section, yeah. we see Jacob doing some things. And so, first of all, he... Um, Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He blesses Joseph's sons as if they're his own sons, which might be a little bit of yeah. that favoritism again. Yep. But he wants there to extend go. he he wants to extend a blessing onto Joseph's sons, um, giving them the double portion of a firstborn, which is just really interesting. And mm-hmm. as he passes on these blessings, he intentionally gives the greater blessing to the younger of the two sons, which yep. we've seen already happening. Uh, we've seen that. That was that was what was done for him. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, some deceiving and some swindling, but Jacob was the younger son who received the greater blessing, yeah. and he intentionally passes that on to Joseph's younger son. So yep. that's that's really interesting to me. And... I also love this blessing that he extends to them. What he says in it is just so beautiful to me. I'll read some of it. It's in Genesis chapter 48, verses 15 through 16. Um, And it says, Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the Mm. angel who's delivered me from all harm, May he bless these boys. Um, and oh, he goes on to beautiful. say some other things. But that, you you remember Jacob? Remember Jacob said, mm-hmm. okay, okay, God, if you'll be with me, if you'll be yeah. with me, then we can think about it. Do you remember that, Jacob? We yeah. talked about before. Yeah. This, yep. this is a Jacob who He's knows all in now. He, yes, and he knows what his real God has done for him. The God who yeah. has been my shepherd all my life, delivered oh. me from all harm. That mm-hmm. is, and that is, I think, also... That that's the kind of view of God that is gained through walking with God over mm-hmm. 137 years or no you know, kidding, a, long, yeah. a long time. So I, that's a beautiful yeah. picture there. That is a um, beautiful picture. And then, finally, w- the picture that we see of Joseph here at the end of the story um, is a picture of Joseph who also knows what his real God has done for him. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the wake of their father's death, in the, in the wake of Jacob's death, Joseph's brothers are terrified that Joseph mm-hmm. is finally going to take revenge on them, that he's just going <laughs> to get them. Um, but instead, what we see is Joseph granting them forgiveness. And really, mm-hmm. he does that because of the perspective that God has given him 
on the whole situation, which is this Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 that we read before, mm-hmm. when, when Joseph says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Um, he's, he somehow, God has given him, our real God has given Joseph a different perspective on the whole on the, on the whole situation, a new perspective on the whole situation. Um, God has shown Joseph what he's been doing for him this whole time. And out of that, Joseph is able to grant his brother's forgiveness. So mm-hmm. I love, I love the ending, the ending to that story right there. And, and then they all lived happily ever after, right? <laughs> well, of course they did. Like all Bible <laughs> stories, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but, that is, but that is a good, a good ending to this, this section though, I think. So it yeah. is for sure. And I think, I think something that we can take away from this is, you know, just like God is the main character of Joseph's story and he was working behind the scenes in every single stage and every event of his life, God is the main character of our stories too and and he is um, working behind the scenes in every single event of our lives too, every Mm -hmm. event, every single Mm -hmm. one and you know, just like we make, sometimes when we have a big decision to make, I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I sometimes sit down with a piece of paper, and on the left side, I put the, you know, the pros, and the right side, I put the cons, and I yeah. I list out the, the good things and the bad things about this decision, or what, what will happen, and I don't know, it, it just struck me that sometimes it, maybe it would be a good idea for me to sit down and look at my life and, and write down the good things that God has done. And mm-hmm. then on the other side of the page, write down the hard things, like Joseph's hard things that God has allowed in my life. Mm-hmm. But write down on the other so- other column the good things that have come out of it, just kind of mm-hmm. like we've seen here in Joseph's life. And yeah. I think that might just be a really good exercise um, for me, just to not feel sorry for myself. I mean, I even the move that we've just done, there were so many great things that happened. I could get really stuck in the bad things, but man, when I look at the good things, they really do overshadow the bad things because God yeah. is faithful. So mm-hmm. I love that. So yeah. Well, listen, guys, um, we're done for today, but yep. if I, I'd love for you not to miss a single episode of Real People, Real God. So if you'd like to hear them all, you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, or Stitcher, or listen on my Friday blog at www.mesuandrews.com slash blog. The notes for each podcast are available on the blog on the date of the podcast. You can also post comments and questions on my blog site as well. If you have a question specifically for one of us, please just indicate the name, and either Lindsay or Misu would love to apply reply yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely well thank you for joining us today everyone and we hope you'll come back next time so have a good day and remember be real thanks for listening to real people real god if you enjoyed this episode please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on itunes We rely on real people to provide feedback and our real God to provide listeners.